to episode 31 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. Who are you? I'm Greg Waugh, and hey, who are you? I'm Dan Beeston. <laughs> Greetings are complete. Hooray! We are all on the same page. 31. 31's an interesting number. Uh, it's look. not an interesting number. No, None of these numbers are interesting. You should have done it when we start. One is an interesting number. Four, that's a good one. 31 is dull. <laughs> Poor Dan and his dull numbers. I, the thing I found interesting mathematically about 31, see, 31 is a prime. Yay, it's a prime number. Yay. Yeah, it's like the, the ninth prime number or but, something. But but here's something interesting. 31's a prime, yep. but 331 is also a prime. And 3,331 is also a prime. Yep. And 33,331 is also a prime. So they're all primes. And 333,331, also a prime. Oh, and no, 3,333,331, also a prime. 33,333,331, also a prime. I wonder if I can speed up this audio. But guess what? What? 333,333,331, not a prime. What? Uh, uh, what? And then the one after that, no, not wait, a prime. Whoa, 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 and the whoa. one after that, not a prime. Wait, what is it divisible by? It's 17 by 19,607,843. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. And then from that moment on, they stop being primes. It's really weird. So for a long time, scientists or mathematicians thought that anything ending in 31, basically, 3333333333, Three one mm. would be a prime, but then they went. Wait, it only goes forwards about well, well, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then from that moment on, they stop being primes. So that's pretty interesting. Anyway, there you go. So thirty one is a sneaky prime for a while, and then it just starts slutting it up with <laughs> not sneaky at all. No, no, it just comes out and goes. It's really I'm, obvious. I'm here. And also the other interesting thing about the the number thirty one, it sounds very, very. <laughs> Very, very similar to the Turkish slang for masturbation in Turkish. So what's that? A tuzbir? I'm sorry to all the Turkish people listening. A tuzbir? Yes. It'd be a tuzbir. 31. A 31. No, what are you doing? I'm trying to make it sound like... No, you, you're sounding vaguely racist. Oh, me so sorry. <laughs> So we had our expo last we, weekend. We did. That's what explains the weird zombie moaning at the start of the podcast. Yeah. Because we had lots of people turn up, really nice people turned up to say hi and to shoot each other with Nerf guns. Yeah, it was a ball. We had an absolute blast. And then we went to the bowls club. We did. And we overestimated the, the amount of energy that people had and <laughs> willingness to stand in the sun all day. Because mm. it was a very hot day it to was be a, running around it was in a field yeah. when, quite frankly... Generally, your recreation is to sit quietly listening to a podcast. And a good time was had by all. And we got to meet some of you listeners. Yes, thank you. Especially a big, big shout out to uh, Mick and to Jason, uh, who came along to say hi. So we will do it again in the future. We will do more zombie games in the future. So keep a listen out for that. We're going to have a lot more fun with that because it was a very fun thing to do. And I'm sure we'll put pictures up on, on the Facebook page and that sort of stuff as well. There are, And also we'll link to... A uh, girl clumsy came along and she made a video. So you can see the video if you're interested to see what we look like and what we did. We did not look like the sort of people who would survive a zombie apocalypse <laughs> in that video. I must admit, I had a pretty good scowl going on, holding my Vulcan Nerf gun as I yeah. walked slowly towards the camera. I was pretty impressed by my unmanly flailing. <laughs> you look like attacking someone with a ladder. So you're all dressed up in your vest, and I've got my tux on. And, and it is the middle of Australian spring, so it's not as hot as it's going to get, but it's over 30 degrees, so hooray! So you're hot? I am quite warm, yes. I'm, I'm hot too. Nice. Yeah, in mm. fact, we're both hot. Oh, thank you, and Dan. even if you asked the people at Apple, at iTunes, mm -hmm. whether we were hot, yes. and you very specifically asked when it comes to science and medicine Ooh. whether we're very hot, yes. they would say, you know what, why don't we list off... The top 50 science and medicine podcasts that we think are In hot. the world! In the world? Guess who's going to be there? Smart Your up. old pals Greg and Nan from Smart Enough Know Better. High five!
Yeah! Woo! Yep, we're in the top 50. In fact, we're probably closer to 30, to be honest, but we're in the top 50. Well, yeah. yeah I don't know how they shuffle them and order them and stuff. Shh, so. don't ruin the magic. It might be alphabetical. So thank you very much. So we might be number one. We could be number one! We're not number one. We're not number one. <laughs> But uh, thank you much for, for liking us and giving reviews and rating us. That's what makes us higher in iTunes. But, of course, we can get higher. We can get much higher. All we need now is, is for you good people to do a few more. Ticking the stars. Yes. Big fives. And I like this podcast. Boom! Suddenly we're number one. In fact, I want you to go completely hyperbolic. I want you to get on there. And when you write a review, I want to see a review that talks about our podcast making stars brighter. That's, or maybe maybe how you were in a bad situation on the side of the road. You're being attacked by bikies. And suddenly, Gregoire and Dan Beeston came in with the mighty power of science, defeated everyone. Just like Captain Kirk defeated the, the, the big lizardy creature, which I've forgotten his name. That thing. Or go for <laughs> irony and say that listening to the podcast impregnated you. Indeed. And some weird hybrid sex baby. What? Wait, there's nothing hybrid about a sex baby. That's how they... What? That's how they happen. I just bud. All babies are sex babies. Oh, oh yeah. This would be a non-sex baby. Every time I look at my fam, my sister's children, I'm all going to go, sex baby. It's going to be horrible. What have you done to me? Yeah, that's horrible. Now think about your own parents. Remember, dear listener and Dan, when we talked in the past about the Pioneer spaceship discrepancy, we talked about how it seemed to be slowing yes. down, and and all these conspiracy theorists were going, "Oh, it's got an alien spaceship next to it," or or it's there's something wrong with the laws of gravity, or it was all, no one really knew what was going on. Yeah, and then we we talked about it way back at the start of the podcast about two years ago, and then we talked about it again once an answer came out. Yes, and do you remember the answer? Yes, uh, because of the the shape of the craft. The radiating energy from the craft or the or the reflected energy from the craft was bouncing in such a way that it was putting little tiny particles at, out in front of it and thus and slowing it down ever so slightly. That was basically right, yes. The radiation from the nuclear power system was slowing the ship down because it was like a big sail. Uh, and it turns out that that is wrong. Ah. <laughs> it's, been, it's been pointed out this is probably wrong. Uh, a researcher from the University of Missouri says that this can't be correct, that it doesn't seem to add up. In fact, if you took all the, the uh, particles coming from the craft itself and how they bounced off, it would only account for about 15 to 20% of the deceleration. Ooh. So that's a big discrepancy What there. you're saying is UFOs. It has to be UFOs. There you go. Dun, 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 dun. No, it's not UFOs. No. Uh, it, but it's even more interesting is we started... What could be more interesting than UFOs? I'll tell you, Dan. I'll tell you. The expansion of space itself. Oh, no. It seems like... Wait, wait. So, so the reason that it's slowing down is because the distance that it's travelling is getting... Bigger no, from no, point it's, to point. It's, it's not technically slowing down, but it's because growing. No, 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 remember, remember, it doesn't happen around things with matter because it has to be sort of when there's no matter around. Like our, we're not oh, expanding, right. so it's not expanding. But the signal takes time to travel to the pioneer and then back. It's not that the pioneer is slowing down; it's that the signal takes longer to get there than we expect, and therefore we think it's traveling slower. In order to measure the speed of the spacecraft, NASA scientists transmitted beams of radio waves to the object and waited for their return to Earth after bouncing back, what's called Doppler tracking. The speed of the probe could thus be determined by measuring the time it took for the photons to make a complete round trip. But what the research observed was that the photons were moving at a different rate than was predicted by Newtonian theory, which gave the impression of deceleration. Because space itself is expanding, which we've discussed this before on the podcast. It's not slowing down. But isn't it? But doesn't that mean that the space between the, sh the probe and us is getting bigger? Yes. So it should be speeding up. No, no, no. It's taking. Or look like it's speeding up. Like it's travelled further than. Like it's further away than it's travelled. No, no. It's taking longer for the photon to. Oh, wait. Oh, that's a good point. Hang on a minute. Because it's, it's, it's distanced out of my time. I think it's going to be wrong. Wrong, I tell you. I have to look into it. Yeah, yeah. Because what I, what's happened is I've stumbled onto the actual solution. <laughs> That's what I... Yeah, he must, be, he must be the one who's wrong. That shows an enormous amount of faith in oh, me. We, 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 it's always fun just to say that and then have to put it into the walk of shame. This is just one researcher anyway, but it seems really interesting that human beings are getting to the point where we're sending items into space. That space itself, the expansion of space is now starting to have some influence on measuring the distance these things. I think that's incredible. Mm. Uh, these, these are no longer just theoretical concepts or stars that are ridiculously redshifted as they zoom off into the night. Things that we've built are now accelerating faster than we thought. 
Or why is it no? It's decelerating. Decelerating. I've confused myself with science. That's awesome. I haven't learned anything. I just <laughs> I feel dumber now. <laughs> Hooray! This place is messed up. God can't smite this town fast enough, in my opinion. Yeah, Gamora's no better. All these people are monsters. I mean, we're divine angels, and the first thing they want to do is have sex with us. Hey, I think we should warn Lot. What? He's a good guy. He's not a good guy. He saved us when those weirdos wanted to rape us. Well, yes, but how did he do that? Well, he offered them his virginal daughters instead. That's pretty selfless. That is not what selfless means. Huh? Using his daughters as rape shields. Don't be silly. It's not rape. He said it was okay. But they didn't. Yes, but their father did. That's what makes it consensual. What? He gave his consent. Where are you getting this madness? It's a pretty consistent theme in the Bible. All right, we should tell Lot. There are many more men in science than women. There's a yes, there's a great gender discrepancy. I agree. Yes, a gender discrepancy and it turns out a gender bias. Goodness me, because scientists some, are biased? It's because some scientists did a test, mm-hmm. and what they did is there were these applications for science jobs. But what they did is that they put names on that were gender nonspecific, and then they marked off whether they were male or female just at random. Right. Did, they ran the numbers, and it turns out that all of the ones that had female genders assigned to them yes. were getting much less response so far as uh. their, how applicable they were for the positions and such. Yes. Interesting. Yes, this that was sent to us by a listener called Fault. Mm-hmm. She was very excited about that. <laughs> it's interesting. I always wonder about that sort of stuff uh, because I, not that I agree with it at all. I think it's terrible. But is it because would one of the reasons be anyway that if you're hiring someone, this sounds terrible. If you're hiring someone and you're going to train them up and you spend money training them, getting involved in something for a long period of time, you don't want them to get pregnant and leave. And I know that sounds terrible, and I'm not saying it's right, but this is a thought process. But it process. is something that happens. That happens, yeah. You like, get, a young like, woman will probably, on average, get, get pregnant, will get more married. More often than a man. More often than a man, yes. yes. We can say that safely without any... But yes, we can say that very safely. This is a very delicate yes. conversational especially, topic. Especially for two men to be having. Yay. Yes. Uh, we're aware of the hypocrisy here. So, But is it something that, that a male has to go, well, maybe I don't, I'll pick a guy. If you had a, a man and a woman who are both equally good at the job, if they are equally as good at the job, we'll pick the male because there's less chance of that person having to leave to look after their, their children. I.e. zero. Oh, well, no, man, oh, no, no, no. Well, yeah, still, no sorry. You still get fathers. I thought you said birthing a child no, no, from, no. Their, from their nether regions. <laughs> no, no, no. As in just looking after the child. It's, yes, it's becoming more common nowadays for males to do that, but not as common as a female. In fact, mm. that, it's, it's still kind of rare. When you hear it, you don't go, oh, I accept that. You kind of go, oh, that's interesting. It's still an interesting thing for a father to, to take paternity leave for a year and look after a child. Yeah. No, not unheard of. The other interesting thing is the preconceptions that people would ha- must have, if that's not the case, mm. what if you look at the thing and went, oh, this person's good, but they're a female... And I've got my own preconceptions about how good they'll be for the position because they're a female. Why do those preconceptions exist? Is that only society... Culturally, you mean? Culturally? Or is it every experience that scientist has had with a female in that environment? I think it would have to be cultural. I don't believe that you could say that people's biases are based on their personal experiences all the time. Because that means... There are stereotypes in the world based on races around the world and, and ethnicities and sexual orientations and all sorts of different things. And I haven't met all these people, but I could probably rattle off some pretty horrible stereotypes about each one of those. Mm. And I've never had contact with them. They're cultural. It's culturally indoctrinated into you that certain people are lazy or uh, not clever or ugly or whatever. This, this is something that, 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 is, that unfortunately comes down from society. Uh, and that's why you have, to, you have to fight it and say, well, actually... No. <laughs> Most Maybe some scientists are misogynist. Uh, of course they would be. That would do it. Well, I would say That'd that... would certainly skew the I results. Would, I would say that the, the percentage of scientists who are misogynists are probably the same percentage of, of non-scientists misogynists. Yeah. I don't, I don't see why sci- being a scientist would necessarily make you and I wonder if immune there were, to it. I wonder if there were 
if there were more female scientists than male scientists, whether it would skew in the other direction. Would females... I mean, if women ruled the world, would they say that men were dumb? No, no, but specifically in science, where everyone's Mm. looking for truth Mm. and everyone's looking for the best situation without bringing their biases Mm. to it. No, Mm. no, No scientist, I think, wants to bring their bias to a study. And most people would say they're not biased. Yes. But, of course, but these results show that yes. they, that they, they are, are biased. Yes. So would uh, are women scientists selecting female applicants more than male applicants? They, may be, they might be doing it consciously as well, as in the whole idea of, of positive reinforcement and getting more women into... If you had to pick between a male and a female scientist and you were saying we need more female scientists, then maybe you would consciously go, well, they're exactly the same, I'll pick the female because mm. uh, we need more women in science. Well, that's what we're doing with trying to get more women oh, interviewees not. on the podcast. Are we mentioning this? Are, are we not? Cause we're, no, because we've noticed it. Yes. We've noticed we a did bias actually. Yes, we that, did. We're, that we're doing, and uh, we don't know where the bias is coming from. Mm, uh, I like women. <laughs> wait. You that, married one. Wait, the tone came off wrong there. <laughs> Hi there. I'm Dan Beeston, and I like women. I'm Gregoire, and I find you okay. You don't like any humans. Not really. But equally. And that's what's important. Remember, I, I don't like humans individually, but I really like you as a species. Yeah. As a species, you guys rock. No, they we, we suck. See, that's funny. You and you don't like it you don't like him as a species, but you like him individually. That's why we work so well together. You crazy monkey. But back to the the women. We should issue. live in a small apartment together and have someone film us for the, the original odd couple. Why did this do I dream of genie then? Why do they always say the original odd couple? Because the, it's, it's, the odd couple was the original odd couple. Yeah, it's everyone a, else is not. It's, it's a bad joke from The Simpsons. They're the original odd couple. It was it was a joke oh, from right. The Simpsons, and I'm referencing a joke from The Simpsons, which is referencing something else. Oh, okay. It's meta, dude. Anyway, certain jobs have a, a large percentage of one sex or the other. Uh, for example, I worked in libraries for a long period of my life, and mainly female. In fact, if you were a male librarian, it was considered quite weird. That number's skewing more to 50-50 now, but for a long time... In fact, I was a young male working in libraries. Very odd, very strange. Then I moved into, into education. <laughs> and that's also a very female, especially mm. uh, yeah, female-dominated area, especially primary school education, very female-dominated. So I think that... Bikini inspectors, very male? Very male. Like, <laughs> like, like according to the T-shirts that I see security, down on the Gold Coast? <laughs> security guards. <laughs> security guards. More, more male than female. So I know a very scary female, <laughs> female security guard. So there are just some jobs that have have a, a preference one way or the other. That doesn't make it right, and it just means historically it's been that way. And slowly these gender imbalances are becoming less obvious, I think. But we have to keep pointing them out. That's why we're pointing it out now. Yep. So, good. <laughs> Did we do okay then? Do we? Are we, are we going to get attacked by female podcast listeners? I think we're okay. I think we're okay? I think we're okay. Oh, we're okay. Pray tell me that you have done as I have asked. I am sorry, my liege. There are no dragon slayers left in the realm. This news saddens me, for we are doomed to be destroyed by this malevolent creature. Perhaps not, my king. There is one last hope. This man from the Orient has offered his assistance. He practices the ancient art of Feng Shui. In truth, it is pronounced Feng Shui. You mean the ancient art of moving furniture around? Bah! Superstition! Versa, have this man removed. But my... My ottoman! Put that back! What do you know of feng shui? Well, it involves arranging your furniture... ...in such a way that a dragon could move freely around that space. And that which can be done can also be undone. Dear God! He's done it, my lord! He has trapped the dragon! Now, kill the beast. That's not really what I do. Fare thee well. That's going to make it really hard to watch TV. 
So uh, I have talked so, about vitreous fluid. Oh, yes. Tears. Vitreous humours in the eyes. Breath. Yes. Blood. Uh-oh. 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 I've got a new no. podcast segment. No. Too much information. <laughs> Welcome to Too Much Information. <laughs> I don't want where to... I horrify Greg. I don't want to play. With talk of fluids <laughs> and bodily <laughs> expulsions. He won't let me out of the room. <laughs> I'm sad now. And this fortnight's episode, because oh, what? Ha- maybe it'll be fortnight. No! <laughs> why would? Why, why are we doing this? This episode of Too Much Information. I'm sorry about the Jurassic Park thing. I'm sorry, okay? Poop. <laughs> Actually, I don't mind poop. We're going to talk about poop. Poop's okay. <laughs> We've talked about poop it's... before. Fecal transplants. We've done poop. That's true. We have talked about poop on a very scary level. But now we're going to talk about it going out of a body rather than into a body. Oh, good. Now, there are lots of problems that people can have with their bottoms. Mm-hmm. Colon cancer. Yes. Girl Clumsy did a wonderful write-up about having a camera. Colon- colonoscopy. Yes, yes. Um, then there's uh, all sorts of other bits and pieces. Hemorrhoids. Mm. Have you ever had a hemorrhoid? Uh, no. I have had a hemorrhoid. I've never had a hemorrhoid. It's not comfortable. I I can imagine. It sucks. (laughs) Right. Because what happens is you strain really hard and and there's a blood vessel that sort of swells up like a balloon. Right. And then pops out of your anus. Why? I know. Why why would a just God do this? And you know what the doctors say? The doctors say you've got to have more bran in your diet. Mm. You've probably heard this. Roughage, fiber. Yes. Fruit pulp. Yes, don't get punched in the bottom. Don't get punched in the bottom? That's true. That couldn't help. We get bruising. We can't when help, you get, no. When you get punched, it bruises, and that means that there's blood vessels breaking. If someone punches you right in the rectum, oh. then, of course, you're bursting blood vessels in your Ouch. rectum. I don't know what I'm saying now. But that, that, the thing is, if you've got that sort of roughage and stuff, then it means that it's easier for you to push. You're not straining as hard. Right. The blood isn't pumping through, and the pressures of those blood vessels is not as high. Right. Now, actually, can I tell you something really weird? The cyber cyber's here. Please, we do need a breather. Men, men, uh, men of a certain age, starting a middle aged or higher, you have a very large chance of dying on the toilet from straining too much. Having, if you have a heart defect, your heart gives out because you're pushing too hard and mm-hmm. you die. It's a really undignified way to die. I can't remember the percentage. I'm just sort of remembering this article saying there's a good chance you'll die on a toilet. And you're like, hooray! That's because my family has all the problems. From one side of my family, heart problems. On the other hand, side of the family, bowel cancer. So oh. I, I'm, I'm very excited. I don't know which will kill me first, but it's, it's an exciting race to my destruction. That's, that's It's great. a race to the end. <laughs> so I could die in a toilet. But then it said, down to the caveat of this article, it made me, I was on a plane and I actually snorted so loudly the person next to me looked at me. It said that the, the other place that men of a certain age die, not just in the toilet from straining too much, it's in the arms of their mistress or a prostitute. <laughs> So you end up, there's a lot of men who die in a in a uh, in a delicate situation with a woman they probably shouldn't have been with. Though of course, if you go to a sex worker, well, that's a sex worker. What's the point? I mean, it's, it's no well, one breaking the law. I'm not at risk from that dangerous predicament. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Anyway, back You're to ruining everything. Back to poop. Back to poop. <laughs> Well, are we, are we saying poop? That sounds very American to me. Are we saying poop? Because it sounds adorable. It does, yeah, yeah. Babies poop, we just defecate. defecate. I love Like a freight train. Can I tell you, I got very sick. When I went to China, I got very, very ill, and I collapsed, and I actually hit my head, and it was a subcranial hematoma. It was all pretty serious. And especially when you're in a country where you're not too sure what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and then, and think, what, uh, the doctor comes up, and he goes, oh, you've got a sub cranial dermatation hematoma hematoma yeah and then he puts his finger in and he pulls out a little worm and see that's the that's the problem he's a little (laughs) demon worm and that's the the doctors there were fine it was fine i'm not saying that that's how the dentist used to do it apparently that's what i learned when i was like eight years old you need to go you need to go to a better dentist no there were dentists in the streets of uh, some asian uh, that's this was the 80s they're like the the yellow menace country what um and and you'd go to it and this is no no no, but back in like the 1800s you'd go oh i've got a toothache and you'd go Mm. to a dentist in the street yeah and they'd say oh there's a little there's a worm in your tooth and they'd put a little maggot under their fingernail and then they'd lean into your mouth and go 
and pop it out like a magic trick. Oh. They go, oh, there's the little worm from your tooth. You should be fine from now on. And then, then your face rots off. Yeah, then then your tooth falls out anyway because they didn't weren't, weren't no, really helping at all. But anyway, so I, I I had to come back to Australia and, and get all these tests done. And they discovered all sorts of crazy things that were wrong with me, which we won't go into right now. But one of the things it's it's quite they, yeah, that's a long list. Actually, it's, it's quite a long list. But they took blood tests. They really weren't too sure what was going on, so they took blood tests. And they did other tests as well, and it's very confronting. It's the word defecate. The, the word defecate makes you, made me laugh, and I realised that that I, I'm 38 years of age and I still find the word defecate funny. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking to a doctor and he goes, well, actually, what you do is take this plastic bag and you've got to go and get a sample of it. And by defecating, he went, <laughs> and he went, oh, um, okay. Went, oh, so suddenly the doctor lost a lot of respect for me. But seeing he was going to look at my poop, I didn't really care. Nah. <laughs> Who was handling my poop, doctor? I think you were. Actually, I think the pathology was. Yeah. Just the poor nice lady. I had to do that recently as well. <laughs> Sorry, this is a lot of information, it, isn't it? That's, this the, is, that's the, this is, this is too much information. Too much information. Because I had to do, get, do it at home, and it was like a, an issue, and I had to... It was a, like a plastic bucket. Yes, yes! You, 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 the you pl- feel like, like you're a, three years old again. You keep trying awesome. to aim for something, and something that has never traditionally needed aim. <laughs> and men are just notoriously bad at aiming that part of their body in any sort so of direction. aim way. it, and then the little, there's a little plastic yes, vial, and yes. you take the lid off, there's a scoop. Yes, there is! And you've got to scoop it out, and it's disgusting. Then you put it in a little vial, and then you're sick, you're unwell, yep. you walk up... Two blocks to the pathology place at the end of the street, and you discover that they close at two o'clock in the fucking day, and you have to go back and drive out to another pathology because you're not going to do that again. <laughs> and you drive out and you dump it. Oh, you dump it there. Uh, uh, anyway, back to poop. Thirty-eight. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. So the idea is you don't want too stiff poop because then you're going to no. strain too much. Yes. Yes. So you say, oh, your diet. You have to affect your diet. Mm-hmm. Like ninety percent of this is your diet. Yep. Turns out. That's not the case. Ninety percent of it is your position. Now, As in you in were society? Saying, no, you have <laughs> been. Well, yes, because you've just been to China. Yes, yes. And there are di- two different types of toilets: squat toilets, squat toilets, and, and pedestals. sitting toilets. Yes. yes. Now, uh, back in the olden days, mm. uh, it was only kings and queens and high members of society who had a seat to sit on, and everyone else had squat toilets. Uh-huh. Now. Human beings have been squatting to poop for millennia. This is true. And sitting down, it doesn't do what it needs to do to your body. When you when you squat down, your thigh actually presses against your your abdomen and the right thigh actually pushes up against the end of your bowel mm. and closes it shut. And also your rectum mm. it goes down and then when you're standing up, it goes straight out the back. Right, yes. Like, so it goes on a, like a right angle. And then when you sit down, it sort of moves a little bit further vertically. Yes. But when you squat, it gets lined up. So it's oh, straight down. Okay. And there is a muscle across the back. Mm. So when you're standing up, that muscle's tight and it stops you from being incontinent. Aha. Uh-huh. But when you squat down, it's completely released. But when you're sitting, it's only half released. And so what you have to do is you have to you push poop out of the bottom bit. <laughs> the bottom bit. The, you push poop out of the very bottom bit. Yes. And then you wait for a bit and sort of, and the next bit sort of oozes its way past that muscle that's only partially constricted. Yes. And then you do another and you're straining and you get it in like a bunch of different... I, must admit, I don't strain when I go to the toilet. No. I, I don't really strain. No. I really but, don't. Well, you are. There is a certain amount of straining going on down there. Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't sit there going... Well, you no. You no, you're not trying to pass a lump of concrete. But you are doing work, uh, yeah. and muscles down there are activating <laughs> uh-huh. and when they don't need to. And so because a lot of pressure is, is happening at that part, mm. some of it's getting forced back up oh, as well. Oh. And uh. because your thigh isn't closing off the end of it, it's, oh. it's going back through and causing septicitis. And if you could get some. Right, I see. Yeah, so okay. it's, like, it's, like, it's like having the bottom of your toothpaste cut off mm. and then squeezing it in the middle rather than squeezing it at the bottom so it all goes oh. off the uh, other end. The, so what the, the, there is a thing called a, a, a squatty potty or a squat potty, I think. Right. I'm going to put a link in the... In the Why would you do such thing? a thing? And what happens is there's a little step that you can stick at your toilet. Yes. And so you can put your feet up on the step that's about eight inch or seven inches off the floor mm-hmm. and it, it makes your body fit the right position. Right. It's like uh, 30 bucks. 
I see. Now, do you have one yet? No. I went to Ikea Mm -hmm. and I picked up just a footstool, which is Uh. like uh, (laughs) nine or ten inches, and... I've got that in my bathroom. And so now I can just put my feet up on the footstool. Are you honestly squatting on your own toilet? I'm squatting on my own. No, no, well, I'm, I'm not putting my feet right no, up no, on I the understand, rim. I understand. But I'm bringing the feet up high enough. Right. And now, like, uh, it just, it just, it's, it just shoots it, out. It's, it's like, it's like a luge, a uh, poo luge. And, and, and rather than sitting on the toilet for, you know, four or five minutes, you're there for one Who's on the Whoosh. toilet for four to five minutes? A lot of people are. The, the, there I, is some you research. humans there. have really bizarre bowels. If some people like to sit for a long time just to so, read. I, I don't understand that. I, I go to some people's houses and they have reading material in their in their bathrooms. I do not get this. A, yuck. And B, yuck. Because it doesn't make any sense. Who's in the toilet for long enough to read a magazine? Just go to the toilet and get out. My look, my bowels just seem to work. They, they go in there, they do what they need to do, they get me off, and I'm like done. I can have a conversation and still go. I'm, sometimes I'm on the phone. <laughs> you don't need to know that. Too much information. Oh. See, oh, that, see, that's gross. But reading a magazine on your squat toilet—that's just dandy. No, you're not going to read on the squat toilet because it's going to shoot out really oh, okay. quickly. Shoot out really Maybe the muscle. Maybe you're very just going to be very incontinent very quickly because your yes. muscle's not strong enough. Right. That Ma- little muscle in. Maybe there. so. Maybe I'm just awesome and I was designed better than the rest yeah. of you. Now, I, I imagine some of you <laughs> listeners are actually listening, going, "Oh, I don't know. Like ten bucks for a footstool at IKEA. That seems like a lot of. That seems like." really dedicating myself to this kind of weird thing. And it does feel a bit weird the first couple of times. But you know what? If you just want to test it out... Mm. You can borrow Dan's stool. No, no. Oh, wait. No. And let's... Uh, about, you're about to make a stool joke, yeah, aren't I was, you? I was. Look, I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I've said that joke to myself so many times, right? <laughs> Doing all the readings and stuff. I can't possibly do it on the, on the podcast. But what you can do is when you've got a brand new pack of toilet paper... Then you set it upright so that they're upright. Uh, and yes. toilet paper is about probably about six or seven inches off mm-hmm. the ground, like mm-hmm. two lines of toilet paper. Just stick that in front of the toilet, prop your feet up, and see how that works for you. Can I just point out, look, this is all interesting and scientific, and you've done a lot of research, and I have actually read as well that squat toilets do actually lengthen your bowel and, and straighten it all up. I've done, I have read this before. There's no way in hell I'm doing it. It's not going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the other side of this argument. I've traveled a lot in this world, mm. and a lot of places have squat toilets. They are awful things. They, they are smelly. They're not very clean. And also, the point is, when you're really, really sick, sitting down on the toilet is really good because you can just sit there and go, I don't feel well. When you're really sick, you, it's very hard to squat. It's also very hard on your thighs. The older you become, the harder it is on your thighs. I'm not... I'm not but you're not squatting. You, you, are, you sit down and then you bring your feet up in I front of you. Oh, you're, you're talking about, oh, so you're talking about actual... Sorry, your, your device. Yeah. yeah. Right, I see. I, I, I don't know. I just... I, I don't know. I just don't seem to have a problem it's with... It's the best of both worlds. It is. Okay. And you don't have a problem now, but when you first get that first hemorrhoid, you're going to be like, oh, I should have listened to Dan. You've had a hard week, Dan. You, you're a hard worker. You work hard. Kind of. I have had a hard week. And you work and you stay up late at night to catch up on all the business you have to get done. You're working from home and you do all the readings you have to do and all the work you have to get done and you stay up and you have to get up in the morning early, yes? Yes. And you have to get people up to do sure. that. You... No, not really. Yeah. Work well, you, work for you, you I, work for yourself. I get up about half past nine, have a cup of tea. <laughs> but no, I understand uh, what you're getting at. So let's, for the sake of argument, say, yes, I'm up until 11 o'clock working, then back up again at 4.30 for people, a meeting. Most people who aren't bastards. someone in Singapore. Most people who aren't bastards have to get up early in the morning because their job expects them to be there to actually work. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> and then they have to do extra work. And you have this kind of this idea of sleep deprivation where you don't sleep enough during the night. And you and you get a, a sleep debt. The mm. idea of you don't get enough sleep and you get enough sleep, and then suddenly the weekend comes around. Oh, Saturday weekend. morning when you're not working, and what do you do? You get up Make, at the same time and you go for a run. You do not. I don't do that at all. <laughs> but you should. I should. But you should. Forget the running thing, it, though you probably should run too. But it, people think that they need to catch up on their sleep debt by sleeping in on the weekends. And the idea is that this is actually quite wrong. There's, in the University of Texas Southwestern, Dr. Gregory Carter, a specialist in sleep medicine, has said, well, no, this doesn't help you. If you sleep in on the weekend, like I did this very Sunday recording this podcast, to just because I was feeling a bit sleepy, it actually puts your wake-up time all out of whack. So the next, on the Monday when you wake up, 
you, you'll be going, oh, your body's like, no, no, we slept until 10.30 yesterday. I want to sleep until 10.30 today. And so it gets into that pattern really quickly. Of, ah, of, you should try and it's stay. It's like jet lag. To, yeah, it's trying you to stay. jet lagging yourself. It's weekend lag. Weekend lag. And you don't, you, you, all you need is one night of good sleep to catch up on sleep debt. If, say, you, you, you missed out on 12 hours of sleep during the week, you don't need 12 hours of sleep to catch up. You just need one good night of sleep, and your brain is absolutely fine with that. Ah. The idea of sleep debt being a, a numerical number that you have to tally against, you know, input and balance output, up. It's not true. So, so you just go to bed at 10 for once. Stop staying up until 1.30 in the morning chatting to me on Instant Messenger. <laughs> this is true. Yes, who are you talking about? That's then? a very specific. That was, yeah, there's one, one of our listeners right now is going, hey. <laughs> <laughs> now, so don't, don't sleep in. And the other thing they've, he's discovered is the worst thing in the world to do, and I agree with him on this one, is snooze alarms. There's oh, the, that's bad? The snooze alarms are terrible things. You will sleep. People go, oh, I just need five more minutes. You are not sleeping well for those five minutes or ten minutes, whatever you set your snooze alarm. Your brain is quite active. You're only very, very lightly asleep in a way that almost you're not asleep. It's actually making you feel worse. It makes your brain feel worse to do that. Set your alarm ten minutes later and then get the heck up. Well, it's really nice to have my own biases confirmed because I, I used to do that and then I stopped using the snooze alarm and now I just get up when the alarm goes and I wake up and I get up and like uh. a robot. I switch along and click and I'm on and I run out of the room and whee, do my thing. I'm but, pretty... I, but I've known other people who I, who I have slept next to during my life who have snooze bow, alarms. Chicka, bow, no, no, just, well, yes, but bow, chicka, bow, <laughs> too much bow, information. Bow, but they put snooze bow, alarms chicka. on. So these are the mistresses and the prostitutes? But yeah, that's, but don't put your snooze alarm on. It supposedly is not helping you. You might go, oh, I need that 10 minutes of lying in bed being all over. No, it's actually making your brain more tired. You will, you will feel worse when you get up finally in five to 10 minutes. Just sleep the five to 10 minutes. Big surprise. Moving on. But, you, but you're asleep and you can't enjoy the not getting up. Maybe it's 10 minutes of just enjoying not but getting up. But most people Maybe don't. just wake up and just lie there not most getting up. Most people for five or 10 minutes lie there going, oh, oh I've got to get up in five to 10 minutes and it's going to be ah. a busy day. Hey, there's these cool... Uh, <laughs> there's these wonderful smartphone apps that you sit them on the bed and because they've got a little device inside them that tracks movement... They can feel you bouncing up and down on the bed. <laughs> um, they can feel you moving around on the bed and they can sort of judge when you're in deep sleep and when you're in light sleep. Mm. And you set an alarm to go off sometime in the half hour yes. when you're at your lightest sleep. So you actually get a full cycle. Full yeah. cycle of sleep. Yeah, I've seen those. The ones, the idea of if you sleep for an hour, I'm not too sure how true this is. It's one of those things I'm going to have to look into more. Because some people live by napping, like 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 20-minute, 30-minute nap, and they feel brilliant. But a lot of research I've read says that if you don't sleep for three hours, then you really, you're, you're, you're coming out of a cycle. Oh, you're talking about polyphasic sleep. Yes, yes, yes. So, and, and, but you really should try and sleep in three-hour blocks. So you should, you should sleep three or six hours or nine, I suppose, but you probably shouldn't sleep eight or seven because uh, you're breaking up your phase. Your phase? Your, the, the cycle, I should say. Someone on Lifehacker decided they were going to try polyphasic sleep. What? Explain that to our listeners again. Uh, polyphasic sleep is when instead of sleeping eight hours at night, you sleep in, for instance, a, a number of different chunks. So you might sleep for three hours at night and then three separate one-hour naps during the day. Mm -hmm. uh, this guy was trying to do like... Tw I think twenty minute naps. So not living, so basically not living to times the sun. a day. Yeah, right. and he was doing it for about about five days. Did he go insane? He went insane. <laughs> he very quickly went insane. But then one time he he woke up <laughs> to his al alarm and went, "What the hell happened? No, something's gone wrong." Looked at the clock and just went, "Oh my god, I've slept for four and a half hours." And then went out and realized all the lights in the house are on and his keys are in a different place. And he, doing a little bit of research, he discovered he'd woken up at the right time, mm -hmm. left the house, <laughs> doesn't know why, oh came goodness. back, went to bed, set his alarm for the next one, woke up, had lost a block of his life. Tyler Dirt, he started fight clubs. I, he started fight clubs all up and down the East Coast. <laughs> That's weird. There you go. It's so sleeping. So anyway, yeah, don't mess with sleep patterns. It's pretty hardwired into us to, with the sun. That's what it's all about. We, the, the, mel the, the melanin in our eyes, we can reset our clock. Our natural cycle of a day, our day cycle to our body is 25 hours. I, I think it's really weird. That's a really odd concept. So you're resetting your clock every day by going out in the sun. So if you hide in your house, like a podcast listener, 
No, yeah. no, no we love you. We love you. Uh, then, then you're probably doing yourself a disservice. You need to get out into the sun a little bit and just reset your reset your body clock. Oh, well, the... I used to do shift work, uh. so I used to have to start work at nine o'clock at night and work until seven in the morning. Yes, and I did this shift work for a year, and for twelve months, I didn't poo properly. Like uh-huh. it, it, it you affected probably, my you probably needed system. a little ten inch step. I need a lot more than that. That was <laughs> maybe it's a 20, not good. Twenty inch step to, to your legs will be. And it's quite common for people who have that sort of shift work to have difficulty with their digestive system. Mm. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. In Chuck Palahniuk's book, Rush, the one about crashing cars together, yep. in that in his society he had people who lived at night and people who lived in the day because there were so many people on the planet Earth that you, you either lived in the night shift or you lived in the day shift. I, but in the end, you'd have to go. You'd have to go insane. Surely you'd have to go mad. Like the Antarctic people, people go down to Antarctica during the winter. There's a there is a lot of uh, stories about going pretty much bonkers in in during the six or nearly six months of winter they have down there, darkness. And well, of course, they have not six months of winter. Sorry, three months. Three months of darkness they have down there during during winter. And one of the rules is whatever happens on the Antarctic base stays on the Antarctic base. Ah. No, 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 but that's not the sun, though. or the lack of sun. Mm. That's when uh, when that uh, an alien meteorite comes down and, um, oh, what was that thing? Which thing? That thing. The thing. The thing. Oh, it'll come to me. Walk of shame. Walk of shame. And our first walk of shame for this episode, for past episodes, is, well, in our last episode, we didn't have a walk of shame. There's a walk of shame because we didn't have a walk of shame. A listener pointed out that we didn't have a walk of shame, and that's in itself a walk of shame. That is... And I humbly apologize. I think it's right. Uh, We're going to have a walk of shame in every podcast from here on in. I'm no, making. No, I'm making. We're not. I am making. That a, is not I happening. am making a promise to the listeners no, that cannot no. be edited in any way, <sighs> shape, or form. No, no, we're not doing that. That was a stupid idea. <laughs> stupid idea. You'll get your work of shame when it comes to it. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, listeners. Yeah. Hey. Listeners. <laughs> wow, this got, this got dark quickly. <laughs> But obviously, we made no mistakes in the last couple of episodes. Seeing we've now gone to fortnightly and can do half the amount of research that we used to do. Oh, so I made a mistake. Did you? And it was just it was just a throwaway comment. I mm. knew it, mm-hmm. but I said that blood was neutral at some point. Just a, oh, yes. and I knew it wasn't. Yes, blood is it's seven point between seven point three basic. five. Yes, yeah. slightly. Did we say it was slightly basic? Oh, we probably did. But oh, I, okay. at one point, I said. That the digestive system makes your blood neutral. It's right. not neutral. It's a little bit acidic. Okay. So what? What is the? What, no, 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 a little, a little bit basic. basic. Yeah. What's the? What's the pH of blood then? Uh, seven point three five to seven point four five. Thank you very much. That's now that's only arterial blood though. Ooh. A listener pointed out that it actually gets more acidic mm. as it travels through the system because of the carbon dioxide, mm. and which is quite interesting. It is. Well, it's one of those. It's still basic, but it, I, I guess it goes down slightly. to like seven point. Or something. Yeah, it goes down. What's Not much. If you take a solution like water and you blow your breath through a straw into it, you can actually make the water slightly more acidic. So you can take a universal indicator like phenylphthalein or something like that and pour it in there and blow. And phenylphthalein will be like a greeny color when it's neutral. Yeah. Uh, and and then when you blow, you and you blow air into the water. In the end, it turns an orangey color, a yellowy color from the oh acid that you're creating. God. We're like Geiger's aliens. But yeah, we both got acid for breath. We we spit out and we we're exude not, acidic. No, no, we're not. No, don't make a walk of shame in the walk of shame. Acid. No. Acid breath. No, no, we have carbon dioxide in our breath and it reacts with the water. It acidifies, acidifies the water. That's all it does. This is a problem with one of the other problems people don't talk about with climate change by putting too much carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Forget the heating effect, which is bad enough. But if you have too much carbon dioxide in the air, you start getting carbon dioxide in your water. And that acidifies the water, the sea, and that means that shellfish can't develop shells and the barrier reef dies off. And in the end, if it gets high enough, fish die. Ooh. So this is a big, another big problem. But anyway, that wasn't part of the walk of shame. But yes, your blood is slightly, slightly, yeah, it was just slightly basic. Now, I made a comment about a mirror on my telescope, my Dobsonian telescope, ref- uh, inverting the image. And I don't even know why I said that, because it's obviously wrong. Uh, it's the eyepiece. 
It's the eyepiece actually inverts the image. That was pointed out to us as well. So I do apologize for that. You're right. The, uh, the image itself is inverted by the eyepiece, like the image in, into your eye is inverted by the uh, retina. Not the retina. But there's only one the mirror. So in what? But in, what do you mean? In the telescope. But the eyepiece has, my eyepiece has at least nine bits of glass in it. Oh, okay. It's the, the light is, is focused to a point by the mirror. Yes. And the eyepiece is the last, does the last bit of the, of the focusing and inverts the image. Now you can get eyepieces that don't invert the image, but they have more glass yeah. in them. And the more glass, the, the less information you get through, the more blurry it becomes, or can become more blurry. But you do want to have more glass in it to your degree, because it gets rid of some of the aberrations, like uh, chromatic aberrations, ah. the and the spherical aberrations. There's all these different aberrations in, in telescopes. It's really interesting ah. if you're into telescopes, which I am. But, I, uh, <laughs> but the array, ASCAP, oh, yes. does doesn't have a giant lens hovering above it, so it, it doesn't flip the image. It doesn't have an eyepiece, no, no. Of, of that sort. That's right. So it doesn't invert the image. Exactly right. It's not the eyepiece. It's the lens on the telescope, surely. Uh, your, your image is inverted by your eyepiece, not the mirror. The eyepiece is what inverts the image, not the mirror. But there's, an, there's, a, there's a lens on the front of it, too. There's a lens on the front of it. What uh, are you talking like about? The end of the telescope... No, no, no. It's the, end, the end of my telescope. You're talking about, you're talking about an optical telescope like yeah, mine? there's an optical telescope. It's got there, a big lens in it, like no, a camera, doesn't no, it? No, no. At, at the front end, it's just it's called the light bucket for a reason. It's just a big, empty space out one end, and it goes all the way in, and the, and the mirror is at the back end. It's, just, it's a big bucket with a glass, with a mirror on, the, on one end. It reflects the light back up until it gets to the secondary mirror, which reflects it into the eyepiece. Oh, my God! It's a light bucket. Why do they call it a light bucket? You can fill it full of water. You shouldn't, but you can. <laughs> it's literally a light bucket, a bucket for light. That is blowing my mind. <laughs> I can't believe you. you've been out with me. You've actually been observing with me. Yeah, but I didn't and stick my hand in the end. <laughs> you must have I didn't seen, want to touch you must the have glass. Seen, you must have seen me adjusting... That's really odd that you didn't notice that. That's really cool. I didn't really pay a lot of attention. I was drinking. Some, we were drinking a lot of whiskey. We were drinking so. a lot of whiskey. I must admit that was nothing's better than, than observing and um, and drinking whiskey. Yeah. Expensive. All the whiskey. stars got really blurry really quickly though. <laughs> and it seems to be the whole night sky seems to be full of uh, uh, Scottish shanties, which is awesome. And, and every star seems to have a twin. Just to the left. <laughs> yes, it's not that the every not, star's a binary system. <laughs> Any others? Any others? Oh, yes. You said that, uh, that when Jupiter, something hit it and there yes. was an explosion that only mm -hmm. lasted a couple of seconds, mm -hmm. you said that the amateur astronomer who was looking at it mm -hmm. was also taping it at the same time. I thought he was, yes. He was not. <gasps> he was looking at it, he saw it, and then he called up some people who do tape it the whole time. Oh. So they actually record oh, Jupiter see. all the time, but it's gotcha. all automated. And he said, check out this time code. Tell me if you see anything exciting. And they went, oh, my God! That, oh, we got it! That's cool. That's very, very cool. Oh, there you go. I, I stand corrected. Isn't astronomy awesome? Yep. I think it's really cool that in, in astronomy, you can be an amateur astronomer and you can actually make quite big finds because things change every so often in the sky and professional astronomers have things to do. Yep. And there's no need so many good telescopes in the world that can do those projects on. So they're not looking at Jupiter. We've all seen Jupiter. We know what Jupiter looks like. We don't like Jupiter. But all these amateur astronomers like myself who sit there and just stare at the damn thing suddenly notice a bright flash of light or something weird. And you can actually or find a comet or something odd. It's pretty incredible that in this day and age, 21st century, you could still discover something in space that a professional might not have noticed. Uh, we were talking about animals being blasted into space by comets and stuff mm -hmm. hitting the Earth. And I said, yeah, if comets or the moon hit the Earth, then boom, lizards all over the place in mm. space. Of course, there were no lizards on the Earth when the moon hit no. the planet. Well, the moon, or, moon hit well, when, when, when Thayer. When, when Thayer, whatever hit the when planet that caused hit, the moon. The, yes. That, that it was long before life was on the planet. This is true. Hey, can I tell you something cool? People might not know this. I'm doing my uh, Master of, of Astronomy at the moment. That's what I'm studying. Yep. And a long time known about the, the giant impact theory for the moon creation. Something the size of Mars, they call it Theia, hit the Earth on a glancing blow, and it stripped off. Like the, the core of Theia went into the Earth, and the crust formed a big ring, and it all coalesced into a uh, moon, basically the moon. Yep. Probably coalesced into two moons. One then splattered on, which you've talked about in the podcast before. Caught up. Caught up and, and made the highlands of the far side of the moon which looks a bit different 
Anyway, that's the single impact theory. Now, Venus, which is sometimes called Earth's twin, has a retrograde rotation. It actually rotates in the opposite direction that the Earth. It's day. Yeah. If you were on, on Venus, the, so the sun, sun rises in the west, west and... and sets in the east. Okay. And it's very odd because that shouldn't happen if we all form from the same interplanetary disc. disc. Interstellar. Yeah, the interplanetary disc. What they think happened to Venus is Venus probably got whacked by something like Theia again, like yep. a, a big Mars-like object rammed into the into the damn thing. But they call it the dual impact theory, which I think is really cool. The mo- our moon is moving away from us at 3.5 roughly centimeters per year, yep. moving away from us. Now, if Venus got hit by a giant impactor, which is why it has a weird rotation, then it should have a giant moon moving away from it. It's very, very slow like we do. But the fact it doesn't have a moon is probably because it got hit by something else as well. Two impacts. It's only a theory, but a second impact rammed into the into Venus, which would have changed the rotation again, would have changed the orbital mechanics of that system, and the moon would have slowly come back and glommed back ah. onto, onto Venus. Well, uh, Venus has cool. a catastrophic surface. If you go to Mercury, there's sort of hills and craters and mm. stuff. You go to Mars, there's all hills and can- canals. Yes, and the biggest a giant volcano face. in the world. Um, <laughs> it's not a giant face. There's no giant face. Uh, that we've found. <laughs> but hey, I've got my fingers crossed. Uh, but <laughs> Venus, the surface is smooth. It's very smooth, yeah. Uh, the scientists have conceived that this is because there was a, some sort of catastrophic event that melted the entire thing and made it... But also, it seems to get resurfaced on a regular basis. If it only happened once, it'd have lots of craters all over it, mm. though it does have a ridiculously thick atmosphere which might clear it all away. But it seems like it gets resurfaced on a regular basis geologically. Now, does that mean that Venus has a, a core like we do? It doesn't have much of a of a magnetic field, so it doesn't probably doesn't have a big iron core, but it maybe it has a lot of volcanism which which you know comes out, which I, I'm not sure if it does actually. And I think my brain just went, wait, I'm not sure if it does. But it's um it probably has something that happens to it. Maybe the, the heat from the planet or the pressure cracks the crust and magma comes out, or maybe something hits it and just but it seems to happen on a semi-regular basis. Oh, okay. It's the whole planet is resurfaced. That's why it's so smooth, smooth from craters. Otherwise things go. Hey, where's the surface of Jupiter? That's a good question. Two theories, it doesn't have one, or that it's very, very, very small in the centre. No, there's um, the surface of Jupiter is defined by the same pressure as the surface of the Earth. Who says this? Brian Dunning from Skeptoid. Really? Yeah. That's when they've decided that's the surface. I, they, they've just got okay. Well, that's that for all intents and purposes. That's the surface of Jupiter. Oh, okay. where the pressure is the same as the surface. Fair enough. Pressure when it's, you're at sea level. It's a very silly place to call the pressure of because there's two theories. Yeah, you can't stand on it. Well, you can't. And also because we don't even know what the core of Jupiter would look like. No, uh, we have no idea. It either accreted from rock. So core accretion theory. So it was a rocky planet that absorbed all the gas around it, blah, 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 something three times big as the Earth, sucked all the gas on, or it doesn't. It was just a lot, a lot of, I can't remember the name of the other, something transition theory, and it absorbed all the gas. And maybe there's just a liquid hydrogen core in the center. We don't actually know because the damn thing's really big. All we do know is you point a radar at Jupiter, you don't get much of a bounce back because you're firing it through gas. Mm. So we know that it's not like a big, big surface. But anyway, okay, I will stand correct. If Brian Dunning from Skeptoid.com said so, who am I to argue? I can't believe we got started on space again. <laughs> In um, the walk now, of shame. So it seems I was wrong when it comes to... Fornication? Fornication. Once again... Supposed to start with the penis. That's, that's, <laughs> no way. That's, I'm going to start again. Starting again is also difficult <laughs> when it comes to the penis. Oh, it seems that I, I made some weird outlandish <laughs> comments about the flight or fight mechanism of human survival when I was... I very knowledgeably started talking about how actually it would be flight fight or fornicate. There'd be the three Fs, and I very knowledgeably rambled on for a bit about it. And of course, I'm totally wrong. (laughs) And I'm so glad to hear that, because I was listening going, I thought I was on the money with that, and Greg's... All right, well, I'll he's defer doing, to Greg. He's doing the voice, and he's got his thumbs inside his waistcoat. He seems to know what he's talking he's, about. He's swilling a brandy balloon, <laughs> smoking a cigar, <laughs> but and we, there's a pith helmet on his head. But we have learned that when we become that confident about our answers, we're probably wrong. Probably wrong. <laughs> so what's the real answer, Dan? The fight or flight is all sympathetic. So it's basically Aww. your body going, push, go! Yeah, no brain, no brain required. Fornicating requires a surprising amount of thought. That's right, That's especially, especially when you're as ugly as me. <laughs> That's forethought. <laughs> I've got to plan this out to a T, or else she's going to realise that I'm a horrible gargoyle of a human being. <laughs>
Wait, hang on. Oh, but the arousal goes through the parasympathetic system. Uh-huh. So arousal, penile, or clitoral engorgement. The brain has to send hey, signals down. What are we talking about here? I thought we weren't talking about this anymore. Engorgement. No. Although the orgasm itself is sympathetic. Oh, so you better believe it is. So what? that's my that's a that's my excuse. I couldn't I'm, make a, a conscious decision about it. It just happens it just sometimes. Happens. <laughs> so fight or flight. It's, it's all... another episode of too much information. But yeah, the parasympathetic system is mediated by the vagus nerve. So that's one of your cranial nerves, which hence isn't encased within your spinal column. Uh-huh. So you can't really say that they're the same thing. Yeah, no, fair enough. I, I, I will stand by that. So that was a pretty full walk of shame. If you hear anything... During the episode, you go, that doesn't sound right. Do some research. Don't just say the stuff that you think and get in contact. It would be really awesome if you could point us towards some references as well. It's always good to back up what we're saying with references. Oh, my God, Greg. Ah, ah, All of our ah, drug training. Ah, but no, we've been double-crossed. Ah, oh, Dan, it's, it's the Joker. Our operation is small at the moment, but there's a lot of room for aggressive expansion. Uh... Only problem is, there's only one position, so we're going to have tryouts. Uh... Make it fast. Okay, it's done. I won. Good. And I lost! What? What do you mean, lost? Well, I, I lost! Of course I lost! You gave me the bit with the broken end, the pool cue! He had the pointy end! Yeah, I had the felt Br- on the Br- front. Br- oh. Br- you're not dead. It's hard to what? chalk the big you're not, plastic thing You're not end. dead! No, 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 I, I beat him, though. <laughs> I'm dead embarrassed! But actually, not really, because it was a broken bit of the pool cue, so it's pretty easy to win! Uh, we ended up just chasing the black around just, the table. Just so tight, but it was a pretty good game, actually. Yeah. I've learned a lot of skill with a broken pool cue. Yeah, and I think that yeah, half-length one has really made me a better pool yeah, player. Yeah, strangely enough. Yeah, it's, it's like having one beer. Why are you looking at us like that? I never thought you'd ever beat me, Joker! So, what do you think of my two new recruits, Batman? They're much better than Robin and I at pool! Where did you get these guys? I just found them on the street, you know. What do you want from me then, Joker? You've won fair and square. Not just one, Batman, but you didn't even sink a single ball. No one told me it was pub rules. Pants up, pants up. Pants up, pants up, pants up, pants up, pants up, pants up, to a convention like a comic convention or a role-playing convention or no 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 what do you no i'm not a nerd come, no come on dan ridiculous come on no, just... hang on hang on this is the man who happily told the entire listenership his hemorrhoid story but now won't mention he's been to a comic convention yeah but i was i actually had a desk on the artist's alley and i don't want anyone to know <laughs> At, at a convention. So you would have seen... At a couple of conventions. At a couple of conventions. You... Oh, also, one time I went along and uh, some friends and I filmed part of an, uh, an improvised movie about role-playing stuff. Don't and let it... anyone know. That's just between you and me. <laughs> there you, so you mean to one or two then, maybe. Maybe. You might have seen those strange people walking around in leather coats with, with big goggles on. Men in and... black! Where? No, no, not men in black. And they, they're dressed in, in top hats and corsets if they're ladies. And well, they've got these kind of weird weaponry. I'm talking about, of course... Steampunk! Steampunk! That's right. It's kind of quite big in an alternate sort of way, which is kind of cool. Because steampunk, for those who don't know, is, is the idea of what happens if the technology of today existed in the Victorian era, but was only using technology of that time. So it's all leather and, and pipes and steam and glass valves and, and pistons going up and, and down. And blimps, comedy and, or otherwise. Otherwise, I always quite like steampunk as an aesthetic. I think it's got a little bit silly now. I think everyone does it, and it's a bit overly done. Comedy blimp to start off with. Uh, (laughs) But I do like the idea that in a different world, in a different dimension, that maybe we would have been a little bit further along in our technology if only we'd embraced the awesome power of steam. 
So you'd like to know about steampunk, would you, Jennifer? I suppose I can teach you a thing or two. Yeah. Steam and grass, and all you need to start is tea in a flask. Sharp set of gears and a gleaming arc, and the sky rays heaving, screaming past. If you're all about reaching far, seeking the past on secret charts, meeting in secret beneath the stars with a decent mask and a good moustache. If you're really part of an army marching arm for starting a party, a set of weapons so wondrous, and a specially constructed blunderbuss, so thunderous, but don't come too fast, got a wanderlust, and you're one of us. We bump steampunk, need one of these jump freak powered tree fun. Here come the steampunks. Some obsolete technology, policies, slot machines And you wanna follow me up on an odyssey To the bottom of the sea, to the underwater colony Where we dock to the airlocks release A mahogany lobby leads off into the property What? Do you see the monstrosities of the deep Deep to the window that we walk in If you wish to see a little piece of history Back in 2053, this would be Italy Streets glittering prettily, just like a Christmas tree Until the heat rose six degrees Now we're living in the middle of the drifting sea Using industries of antiquity By which I mean wave energy, so the wind is and back in time, covered in soot and factory grime. All other groups to the back of the line. We are the future and factory vine. Gleaming machinery seem to be reckoned with every single member. Excellent gentlemen seen with the seamstress leading the steamship in between tea sips. People need this because we're taking care of our crew like we do our facial hair. Being made aware, we're making improvements. Don't call it a scene, it's more of a movement, more of an era clearing the air. Taking over and nearly there. Pirates, ladies, vagrants, fiends. Welcome on and all to the age of steam. That was Professor Elemental's steam-powered. Oh, that's going into my collection. I like that a lot. <laughs> I love the fact he's a, obviously a British gentleman rapping about steam. <laughs> that's what I did. The whole thing is makes me laugh a lot, and it's oh, really yeah. quite clever. Like it's, it's got some nice rhymes in there too. It's got some nice rhymes. I know nothing about they're music. deft rhymes. They're, they're deft, de- deft, deft, deft rhymes. Deft, deft rhymes. We're so white. Yeah, steam-coloured. Steam. Clean by steam. Uh, a friend of mine used to run a blog called Professor Roundbottom, and it was about a it was about a character in a steampunk environment, uh, like tracking down cryptozoological creatures and stuff. Mm-hmm. And his, it was a photography and writing project. So he was learning photography. He bought all these props and stuff, and took pictures of crazy things, and then photoshopped weird cryptozoological creatures oh. together, and then wrote up like. Uh, scientific documentation about the process of finding and collecting them and collating them. <laughs> it was a wonderful thing. I wish you'd kept going. Uh, you can find that. Uh, there will be a link in our in, in our notes. It's fun to look at. And a link to all sorts of stuff that we've chatted about in this episode. Of course, yes. <laughs> I'm Dan at smartenough.org. And I'm Greg at smartenough.org. You can always email us if you have any questions or any information that you don't want the other one to see. In fact, if you, if you like me yeah. a lot more, you can write and go, Dear Greg, why, I think you're yeah. much nicer than Dan. And it. there's the forums uh, if you want to write <laughs> so that neither of us see it. That's... <laughs> no, that's not true. I do go in there and check occasionally. Just mainly to, 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 to shoo out the spam bots. Shoo them out. Shoo. Go, shoo. Go spam someone else. Hey, I just discovered when someone's a shoo in, that's not a shoo, S H O E. Mm-hmm. That's shoo as in go on, shoo, shoo, shoo. But you're being shooed into a position rather than away from something. Oh, so you're weird. a shoo in. Not a shoe out. Yeah, and to toe the line doesn't mean to like everyone to grab a rope and carry the no, same no, thing. No, it means it's to, to stand, stand at, all, on, at a line. Yes. Put your toe on the line. On the line. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes, I didn't. What? I, I didn't know that. So you, you thought it was towing a line and then a tow line. Yeah. Okay. So if, if everyone's like pulling on a tow line, like dragging a boat up the river or something, <laughs> and someone's not doing it, you go, hey, come on, toe the, the line. line. I see. Right. Nice. Yeah. Mm. Now, if you'd like to listen to us every Wednesday on the ABC, you can't. You can't. You missed your opportunity. You can't. You missed out. We can't do it anymore. We can't do it anymore. And why can't we do it? Because you got an awesome science job. <laughs> I did, unfortunately. I now work for the CSIRO as a science educator all around Queensland. I travel, in fact, into northern New South Wales as well. And to... Uh, Gasp! It's like more <laughs> One does not simply teach science in New South Wales. <laughs> Thank you, Sean Bean. We, um, yeah, uh, we, no, me, it's just me. Me and the voices in my head now teach science to students. Yep. So that's kind of fun. That we still do have our security clearance tags. They can't stop so us. So if you want to uh, tweet to us what we should do <laughs> in the middle of the night because we've got keys to the building basically, basically please yeah. do post them on Twitter with the hashtag 612 <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and uh, if I uh, if I can't afford my rent for any longer, I'm going to go live in the air conditioning ducts. Just sit there above Richard Feidler going. <laughs> We're good. So just like when we went and met him and stood next to him and went. <laughs> You're on the duck end of the All Stars. <laughs> Being nice to people makes them like you. Uh, ha ha ha! My plans are coming to fruition. <laughs> in uh, in the Euro mm. zone, Europe. Europe. In Europe. In Europe. They're not actually. Sorry. No, no, that's true. Yeah, so, so it's not. It's just a. It's just a, a metallic color. I I had to I had to pass that information and go. Our silver coins are not made of silver. How am I supposed to react to that? And another part of my brain's like, "Yeah, we know. Like, why would they be made of? Like, they're oh no, no, no. Because okay, and then I had to fill in all the history of coining in Australia in the world and go, okay. So the thing he said wasn't just completely mind-bogglingly obvious. It did have a point. Yeah, okay, good. Well done, good, good. excellent. No, but I, I disagree with that Donnie Darko one. Mm-hmm. I don't think Celador is the most beautiful pairing of words. What's up? The most beautiful pairing of words. Multiball! Multiball? Multiball. Why multiball? Because th- when that happens on a pinball machine, it's the <laughs> fucking best thing ever. <laughs> multiball! 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 So, and then, and then two we, of them go straight down the middle. Why are we saying it in the same accent as the guy from Fantasy Island? Perfect being gets blown up right at the start. Spoilers. And they have to... Oh, get over it. <laughs> and they have this huge arm, like this huge armoured arm. It's all they've got is her, or its forearm. Yeah. And then they and then they genetically engineer the body from that perfect... Because it's got six million strands of DNA or something, whatever it was. A yep. lot of DNA. But the arm is massive. That's, it's it's armoured. So she was a tiny thing inside. Yeah. And it was... Did, I like the idea that someone went, oh, that's a really big, ugly reptilian monster. Now we're gonna say we're gonna tweak it, and make it a good nah. Did, oh, give it some nice boobs. Yay! <laughs> it's the perfect being. It doesn't look like a giant. You know, look like the space pope from Futurama. Like you don't want to do that. No, 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 no. <laughs> They'd make a bad mate movie. That would be awesome. Oh, can you imagine that movie? <laughs> So they get this giant, horrible reptilian space monster that happens has like mammalian boobs for no apparent reason. Yeah, and and, and well, I assume for breastfeeding. Well, but... yeah, because it's the perfect being. Corbin has to fall in love with it. Because the fifth element was love. Yeah, spoilers, yeah, yeah. spoilers. But <laughs> you imagine going, I love you, Corbin. Um, uh, can we just be friends? No. Um... You can be friends, but it's only going to last for twelve seconds longer. <laughs> love me. A giant evil uh, comet is about to strike it. That's horrible. Can you imagine that? That's like, oh, you mean my the entire universe is based on the fact that I have to find you really attractive and I have to fall in love with you? Uh, oh, I'm a really shallow guy. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! End of movie. <laughs> we had to make that movie. <laughs> In the remake, she's a horrible slime mold from space. <laughs> I do like the notion of like, we've only got the, the one appendage. And so we're just going to clone it from it. And the machine goes, duck, 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 it just keeps going. And it's like, <laughs> run from the building! <laughs> the thing's like 12 stories yes. high. I love you, Corbett! We, we recovered what turns out to have been a toe from the beast. <laughs> what we didn't realise that this creature had a billion hands. <laughs> <laughs> it seems, it seems, seems it... obvious in hindsight, <laughs> looking at all that DNA. <laughs> oh, that's right. They had to encode something. Every single hand is genetically different. Right. It turns out that Chinese multi-handed goddesses were correct. So <laughs> sorry, Christians and everyone else, you're wrong. Uh, now you're going to get bitch slapped into the middle of the next century. <laughs> ow, ow, oh, God. Ow, oh, I don't, I don't. Each one a different for judgment. <laughs>